the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. The more that someone is able to watch you and be around you, they become like you. That's why scripture says to you young people that bad company will corrupt good manners. And that's why your mom and dad are very careful at sometimes monitoring your people, your, your friends. Not because they hate you, not because they hate your friends. It's because they love you and they want you to finish well. So if that's all true, as I look at this passage then then I need to look at my own life, the people that I hang around with, the things that I do, how am I living my life? Because since more of it is caught than taught, I want people to want to be around me. So in this passage, what are three things I look for? First of all, I need to be holy or to be devout. Now for you, that's, I could spend a lot of time on what does holy mean? What does devout mean? Let me make it very practical. I hope I don't oversimplify this. The word holy means to separate yourself, to be made pure and holy, to be separated unto the Lord. So let me make it real practical by saying this. You want to focus. You want to focus like a laser on God, on His Word, on Christ. So it's a focus. So when you talk about being holy, it means that you're not looking at the world. You don't want to be like the world. You don't want to think like the world. You don't want to socialize with the world for the pure purpose of socialization. But you want to focus on Christ. The second word is the word righteous. Some translation has the word just. I would like to now give you a simplified information, uh, uh, suggestion here. To be righteous means that you are in a right relationship, righteousness, right relationship with God and others. So think of the cross. Right relationship with God and others. The third word is the word blameless. Now that doesn't mean a life where you've never sinned. So let me change that and say it's a life of openness. When you're blameless, what you're saying is, okay, look at me. Now, you might be able to find a sin in my life. And when you do, point it out in love. And if I hadn't seen it in you because it's a blind spot, saw it, I'm going to deal with that sin by confession and drawn upon his power to forsake that. So I can become blameless. It's not like I've never sinned. What it does mean is that I've already dealt with that sin. It's in my past and I'm moving forward in a life that would be pleasing unto the Lord in how He would want me to live. So I'm blameless. So it's not like you can't find a fault with me, but you can't find a fault that I haven't tried to correct. That's my point. Now notice the next two words. It's not just live this way, because again, if all you did was live this, and you weren't around other people, you'd be a monk. But there are two words. It says the word among you. So mark that somehow. It says we did this among you. I think that's very critical because... Um, I believe that there are people listening to the voice today, my voice, that are about ready to quit their jobs. I believe there are some of you that might be willing to quit your marriage or quit your family or quit the island 
or quit your club or quit your team or quit the church maybe. I, I don't know. And I'll tell you, we've all been there. I think more pastors quit Sunday afternoon only to thank the Lord that they didn't send in their letter on Monday. We've all been there. But now you have to ask yourself a deeper question. Here is Paul to these people amongst a lot of affliction. And he's going back and he says, We live this separated life, holy, justly, blamelessly, around you, among you. And here's why. He wanted to be a light to them who had no light. And so those of you that want to quit your job for just a moment, if you've chosen to have him as the Lord of your life, and you've chosen to be a lighthouse for God, which I hope you've come that far, if you have, if you left your job because they're talking dirty stories and the boss is a crabby boss to you or whatever else is happening, I know it's out there. I know the world is terrible. I've had the jobs. Even Christian work can also chew you up and spit you out. But if you leave, could it be a little bit of God's lighthouse could be gone? Remember, the world is dark. Christianity in Christ is light. And there's always going to be that contrast. So what kind of a life do you want to live? So here it is. Simple phrase. A life that's worthy of God. I want to bring God to the marketplace. I want to bring God to my club, to my committee, to my team, to my school. I want to bring God to my neighborhood. I want to bring God to my family and so as I look at my life how's the messenger I message by mentoring I message by mentioning God so how's it going with us notice what else it says here it says as you know we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom so here's your question when you go back to work tomorrow, when you go back to your team, when you go back to school, when you go back to your neighborhood, when you go back to your family reunion, wherever you are, sitting on the lanai, slugging them down, and you're talking to them, I want you to think of three words from this passage that the Apostle Paul did so his life would count as a lighthouse in a dark world around other people. Here they are. Who do you need, who do you know needs to be encouraged? So it's the word encouragement. As you're listening there, is there someone there that is discouraged? They've heard bad news, terrible news. Who could you mentally reframe their thinking by coming alongside them as their friend and helping them see that the cup is not half empty? Number two, who do you need to comfort? When you're around that world and you're in it as a lighthouse, who can you comfort? Who's stumbled? Who's fallen? Who's broken? Who's battered? Who's been rejected? Who's been neglected? That you can come alongside in some measure, bring some comfort. And then number three, who do you need to confront? We're pretty good at the encouraging and the comforting, but God says we also need to confront. So who are you going to urge? Redirect their thinking. Watch this. Cast down something in love of a wrong thought that they have or a wrong opinion or a wrong direction. Who will you do this with? Now look up here for a moment. This is so cool, this passage. It talks about being gentle as a mother would, didn't it? Now it talks about how Paul came in, but he was also like a father. And what did a father do? He encouraged. So dads, there's your word. Do your kids feel encouraged around you? The second word, comfort. 
Do your kids feel comforted or do they have to run to mom because you discomforted them? And then number three, do you urge them? Do you say something that might need a warning? Are you letting your wife take all the shots for you because you're too chicken? I just lost my men. And by the way, some of you have no problem shooting those arrows. Your problem is you don't dip them in honey. So maybe you need the comforting more. The point of the matter is still this. We have a maternal and a paternal influence in the lives of others. And he uses the dearest relationships that humans would know. He didn't use a boss illustration. He didn't use a war illustration with military people. He used a mother and a father because they could all identify with that. And then he put them in the right light. So you that are new parents, there's a whole sermon in there I should preach. But I'm going to leave it for right now. Let's go to number four. I want my life to count. So I need to check my motives. I need to, you know, perhaps look at my actions. I also need to make sure that I'm handling this correctly by listening to my message with my, how my life is and what do I say. But I also need to look at the results, the things that I'm doing, to look at the results. How, how am I doing? Do you mind if I take you full circle back to the beach again? You remember that wonderful couple that was building that beautiful sandcastle and they did it close to the water so they could add more um, water to moisten and to pack up their sandcastle only to find out that the tide came up and washed away the corner of their sandcastle. You remember that? Now here's a question. How many of you think that that same couple will build their sandcastle the next time that close to the water's edge? Brain damage if they do, right? So they won't do that. So maybe for you and me to find out is our life counting would be to look at a couple of things to see if there are results. Now again, the book is a plethora of areas that we could look. Now I'm not saying judge, so maybe another word would be the word evaluate. Another word could be the word review, but it's not bad to have an evaluation or a review. So in this passage alone, there are only two. These two are huge, but they're doable. Let's look at the first one. When others or I accept the truth as God's word and not as man's. In other words, when I'm giving out a life and I want them to be better, I want them to embrace it, not as my words, but as the words of God. Look at the passage. It says this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. We did this all the time. We're praising the Lord. We're talking to the Lord about you. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, I like that, by the way. It wasn't Paul, the only one speaking. It says, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. I love this part. Which also effectively works in you who believe. So here's your question. You look at yourself. Am I imparting God's word by my life and by my lips? Watch this, watch this. But are they intaking God's word? Are they owning God's word? Are they embracing God's word? Now I know that you cannot control what a person chooses to listen to too much, nor can you control how much they choose to internalize and own. I realize that. So there is a little bit of a fine line there. But on the other hand, sometimes we're way too quick to just say, it doesn't really matter, just give it and leave it. I think sometimes if we're giving it and we want our life to count and we want the next generation to count, whether it's at work or at home or church, we need to be saying, is all this effort I'm putting into teaching God's word, is it working? The problem's not going to be with the word of God, is it? 
the problem's not going to be with the Holy Spirit, is it? No. Could it be that maybe something with me, the teacher, is not working? Maybe I'm not influencing them and I can re-preach the whole first part of my message. Maybe there's something that's out of balance in that. Could it be that maybe I haven't been like he did, thank God for you, unceasingly? Maybe we're not praying for them enough. So what we do is we do a checkup from the neck up when we want to do this with these people. Okay, I'll know if, it's, if my ministry is lasting because they're embracing God's word, not me. They're talking about God. They're praising the Lord. Let's look at the second and last one here to see if this is in their life to let you know if your ministry is lasting. It says, when others or I show faithfulness in suffering. This is huge because a lot of people could own God's word. They can say, I believe the doctrine of God. I believe correctly the doctrine of Christ, the spirit, the Bible, man, sin, last days, the church. I believe it all up here. We have this orthodoxy that is so solid. But at the same time, our life just goes to the pits. We don't really have it then from here to here. We know that we can argue truth with other people because we knew it. We spent more time studying it. But at the same time, when we're hit with a, a call from the doctor telling us we have cancer, when we're hit with information after being invited into our boss's office and he closes the door behind us and tells us, I'm going to have to release you. How then do we handle that suffering? Go back to the passage and here's what you read. So important, it says this. For you, brethren, become, became imitators of the churches of God which in Judea and Christ Jesus. I love it. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans who killed both the Lord and their own prophets and have persecuted us too. So just like the Lord got it, just like the prophets got it, just like we got it, you guys got it too. But guess what? You remain strong. That tells me that Paul's ministry in their life will last. Because if you don't last when you're buffeted by the storms of life, then maybe what you have is not real. Back in 1945 in America, there were three famous preachers. One guy was named Chuck Templeton. He had a friend named Braun Clifford. And the third of the trio was Billy Graham. With Chuck Templeton, they felt like this man had a most outstanding ministry that would never fail, that it would last a large, effective, fruitful, solid ministry. With Braun, they said no one could communicate God's word more clearly with more charisma than Braun. A couple of decades later, they found Chuck Templeton. Chuck had denied the faith out of ministry. Braun Clifford became an alcoholic. He died in a hotel room. His last job was a used car salesman. And then you had Billy Graham. Well, one had built their ministry to last. And we know who that was. Now the question is, is, are you building your life and your influence that will last? You know, and I've been a preacher a long time and I can really sense God is moving here. You're very quiet. You're focused. And I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to some of you. And right now, there are some of you that as you look at your life, 
you're going to be making some choices based on your motives that's going to lead you down the wrong path. And some of you are already going down that path. You felt it happening. I mean, you know better, but you know as you look back now that I'm on the wrong path. I'm way down this path. My motives aren't right. My actions weren't right. The messenger wasn't right. The things that I've done in my life aren't right. My life is not lasting. My influence is not lasting. As I look at my life, everything's going to be burned up at the judgment seat. I'll have heaven, but I'll be naked when I'm up there. Some of you are there. I'm not here to point my finger at any of you. But if I could just have one dedicated gal and one dedicated guy, one dedicated couple, whatever age, that says, that was then, this sermon is now. I am responding to the Holy Spirit. I'm listening to not the man of God, but to the word of God. You have that chance today. Second, there are some of you that says, you know what? I have completely given myself to the Lord. I'm not perfect, but I've walked down that path. I've chosen to be an influence in my family, with my kids, with my job. I've chosen to be involved in ministry in the church. It's been hard work. I couldn't do it, but I can do it, and I'm glad I'm doing it now. But I want you to know, I'm there. Then for you, you just go to the Lord and say, bless God. Thank you, God. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for those people that were in my life that kept nudging me back on the right path. But I think the greatest number could be in the last group. You're on a path too. And today your path is a crossroads. You can go down the path, like those two guys I mentioned, the path of... Just giving it all up. Same old message. He preaches too long. Doesn't preach the way I like. That's typical Christianity. And you're going to walk away. And God will have to grace you some more before you come back to truth. I pray that today that won't be you. There's others of you that are now looking at this and you're saying, you know what? I can't do that, what he is saying. But I want to. I want to be there. A famous Frenchman said this, that all people have a life that's like a clock that sometimes stops. When did your clock stop in your life? When you were going and now you're back here and you have the choice and you want to go this direction. Do not try to wind your clock back up because that'll just unwind again in the flesh. What you need to do as a believer is plug it back into the power source of the Lord. And with His power, He will energize you to change the things that need to be changing in your life, to embrace the things that you need to embrace, so that as you look back over your life, you can say, yes, it lasted. I prayed for you, and I want you to pray for me. Because any given day, I could go down the wrong path. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to redirect this closing now to those of you who are still uncertain of your salvation. I want to make this perfectly clear to you more than I possibly can. And that is that none of the things I spoke about today that you have to do to go to heaven. The Bible says that we're all sinners. That we cannot save ourselves. Our destination is a life separated for eternity in a real horrible place 
that the Bible calls hell. We are already separated from him. And God says that no good deed we do will ever eliminate that separation. So I can make promises to God. I can change the direction. Take on more responsibility of the right kind with my family and my workers. But all that, as good as it is, and I applaud you for it, will still keep you out of heaven. If you're relying upon those things to get you there. The Bible says that God so loved you the way you are that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. That if you would believe in him, not behave, not believe and behave, but believe in him, your sins would be forgiven. You would have eternal life right now. Right now. Not when you die. Right now. But you have to do the believing part. He's brought you the truth. He's loved you to this message. You have the opportunity now to look to Christ, not to man. And simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done many things wrong and I know I'll still do things wrong. But I want to thank you for your full forgiveness of my sin by your death and resurrection on the cross and the blood you shed for me. Lord, such a sacrifice. So Lord, I want to thank you for doing that for me. And I'm telling you that I'm in your forever family because you forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's coming to him just as you are. And trusting in him and his grace to save you. And he'll never let you down. He says, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. He says, if you trust in me, I'll never cast you out. I'll never lose you. I'll discipline you when you do things wrong. But you'll never be separated from me ever again in my love. But you need to trust Christ. I'm going to be quiet while you have a moment of silence between you and God right now. Focus on him and him alone. Tell him right now that you thank him for his salvation and his gift of eternal life and that you placed your faith alone in him for the forgiveness of your sin. Is there anyone in here now that's willing to say, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior? No, I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you do anything at all that would at this time make you think that good works were necessary to get you into heaven. I'd like to pray for you. And the, the easiest, simplest way I can do that is with every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one, absolutely no one looking around, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, when you put your hand up, I'm going to simply say thank you, put your hand back down, that's it. I won't mention your name in my prayer, I won't come to you, no one's looking around. When I pray for you, it'll be anonymously. God knows your thoughts. And by the way, me praying and your hand raised did not get you into heaven. It's when you believed in your heart right where you were, right there. That's when you had eternal life. When you trusted in Christ then. You're just letting me know you did it. So with every head bowed now and every eye closed, let's give these people an opportunity to silently and privately let me know that they're trusting Christ. If today is the day that you're doing this, would you slip up your hand and put it down? Is there anyone at all? Put it up, put it down. All right, brothers and sisters in Christ, I speak to you. Did the Holy Spirit speak to you about a life that will last? And he spoke to you about your motives. He spoke to you about your actions. He spoke to you about your message. Perhaps he spoke to you about your results. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Without anyone looking around again, I'd like to be your friend. And I'd like to pray for you. I do not think less of you. My hand would be raised too. I want my life to count with you actually. All those that are listening to me. And so I need your prayer too. 
But how many of you, though, today especially know that today you're choosing the right path to walk down that path of having your life count for eternity? Would you slip up your hand and put it down because you'd like me to pray for you? Put it up real high so I can see it. Many hands, many hands. Now, folks, God saw and sees your heart. He's your power source. The future is yours and His. Enjoy that journey in full surrender. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Father, that it is powerful, that it's quick, it's comforting. I pray that now that we, like a mother, would be gentle and cherish the people we want to influence. We as a father would encourage and comfort, but also at times instruct and charge, urge. And that, Father, that we look at our motives to make sure that we are trying to do this to truly and purely and only bring glory to you. Lord, help us to look at our actions. I pray that our actions and our message is one of a changed life with holiness, justice. And that, Father, we would also be blameless. And then, Lord, we look to the results of others, but, Lord, we can't make the results happen. So we're going to rely upon you to help others embrace your word and to rejoice in suffering so that, Father, we will together grow in grace and the knowledge of you. Now we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.